0: We'll <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Christ in Prophecy. Throughout this year we've been highlighting the signs of the times. That is the message David Reagan tasked me with sharing when he invited me to join Lamb and Lyme Ministries and proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ. The signs foretold in Scripture are multiplying all around us and herald our coming Messiah. Dr. Reagan sorted all the signs into six categories. Signs of nature, signs of society, spiritual signs, signs of world politics and technology, and signs of Israel. We've already addressed the signs of nature and society. The next category is one that requires spiritual discernment to recognize because it encompasses spiritual signs. To help me break down this category, I'm joined today by David Bowen, a pastor and gifted teacher of Bible prophecy and a close friend to Lamb & Lion Ministries. David, thanks for joining us again today. Thanks for having me, Tim. Many of you will realize by now that our Lamplighter magazine is tracking along with this Christ in Prophecy series. Over the course of 2023, our 6 bimonthly magazines will focus on the various categories of signs. And if you have not already signed up for the Lamplighter, I hope you'll do so, either as a free electronic subscription or as a printed copy of our acclaimed magazine. Just call the number on the screen or visit our online store if you want to receive either version. So, David, let's jump right into this discussion of spiritual signs. And unlike the other categories, there's something unique about the category of spiritual signs. What is it? Well, with this sign, Tim, there's positive sides, but there's also a negative side. You know, I absolutely agree, David. As a matter of fact, I think most people are oblivious to this particular category of signs. Because unlike the signs of nature, we cannot measure them with our senses. Indeed, some people even celebrate this category in the negative aspects that we're going to be talking about, because they are negative, and because they mark a trajectory away from the truth of God's Word and a reverence for Him as God. I believe this particular category of signs is also an indication of the falling away that Jesus referred to when He asked rhetorically in Luke chapter 18, verse 8, When the Son of Man comes, will He
1: find faith on the earth? I think unfortunately many people take their relationship with Christ far too casually. Yeah, I would agree. We need to be understanding the days we live in and how serious each day is because Christ could be turned any time. And our world is just taking things much to relax and being very, very casual about the relationship with the Lord. Well, I think not just casual. Some are in absolute
0: open rebellion against Him. And I think in our society that is manifesting itself uh, all around us. And yet, you've done a little research into a book written many years ago by a man who also... TRACKED THE DOWNFALL OF OTHER SOCIETIES. SO TELL US A LITTLE
1: BIT ABOUT WHAT YOU LEARNED FROM EDWARD GIBBON'S BOOK. WELL, THAT BOOK WAS ACTUALLY DONE He was IN THE 1700S. Mm -hmm. AND IT WAS WRITTEN FOR the, THE DECLINE OF THE ROMAN EMPIRE SPECIFICALLY. HOWEVER, WHAT HE'S PUT IN THAT BOOK APPLIES TO ANY NATION OR ANY COUNTRY. BECAUSE WHAT HE SAYS, WHEN A NATION IS GOING TO FALL APART, WHEN IT'S ON A DECLINE, THERE'S CERTAIN THINGS THAT HAVE TO HAPPEN IN THE CULTURE. THE FIRST ONE IS THE FAMILY UNIT HAS TO BE ATTACKED. When the family unit is attacked, and and we see that in our culture now, where we don't even know what a family is anymore, that's the foundation of society, and that becomes the first crack there. The other one is that we raise taxes. Why do we raise taxes? So that the culture can have free bread back in his day. Mm. Well, we can check that off the list for our our world today, too, because we're trying to give away everything for free to everybody. The third thing is entertainment, really sports. Sports become more immoral, they become um, more violent. Uh, that's all part of a culture ready to decline and ready to implode. And, and we have that too. In fact, in our culture, you go to a major sports stadium, there's gambling sites now outside of that. So, we talk about being immoral and being more violent. And the last one, Tim, is really, really one that can hit home because it's about the church. So, when the family unit is attacked, when sports become more than what it should be, The church loses its role in our culture. And he says another sign of of the Roman Empire declining and any nation declining is when the church no longer has the influence it once had Mm. on the culture it represents. You know, it's interesting you say that
0: because this is a secular book per se by Edward Gibbons, The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire. And yet that pattern is manifest over and over again. It's being manifest in our own society. And even those without spiritual discernment recognize this pattern. And some advocate for it. I could use the example of Saul Alinsky in his Rules for Radicals Mm -hmm. where he laid out almost a game plan for bringing down Western Judeo-Christian society and converting us into a socialist society. And if you look back just a handful of years, boy that has proven to play out exactly
1: truthfully here in our country. It's very sad. And the world sees it. You don't have to be a Christian, you have to be a pastor, you don't have to be a missionary to really see this. I've been out twice, once I was at a hotel, and I was waiting for some people to come down, and the lady working at the desk asked the co-worker, do you think God's coming back soon? Now, my ears perked up to that of when course. I hear something like that. You know, So I turn around, and she has no idea who I am. I turn around and said, well, do you believe that? And she looked at me, now she's working, you know, so she looked at me and said, I do. So, now she has my attention. So, I get up from my seat and I walk over to her and I says, well do you go to church? And she said, no, I don't go to church. I go, well why do you think that? And she said, look at the world and all that's happening. I think God has to come back pretty soon. I think you'd have to be not only spiritually blind, but
0: virtually blind in other regards, or at least totally unwitting not to recognize that something is amiss and yes. something is afoot in our yeah. society. And yet, we have so many today on a spiritual level that want to cast off the fetters of God. That's why our society is rejecting its Judeo-Christian foundations. It wants no restraint on its own uh, immorality and wickedness because in keeping with what I just quoted from Psalm chapter 2, they don't want to honor the Lord or
1: His anointed. But they know they are missing out when they don't. Oftentimes. So I have an article here, and again, when I, when I read things, you, you expect things from the church, you expect the Christians and the pastors and people to understand church attendance and how important that is. But when the world recognizes the importance of this, this is from a group called the National Bureau of Economic Research, they were about 100 years old, it's not mm. a Christian organization, mm-hmm. it's a secular group. And, and the research they're doing, they, they focus basically on the economy of our, of our country, basically. Okay. This is called Deaths of Despair. Mm-hmm. And this talks about those who are are, being, uh, are dying from alcohol abuse, drug abuse, and suicide. And they're saying, why are these things happening in our culture, in our nation? Well, their research comes back and it says, the widespread dismantling of church attendance from America culture, there's no other institution that can emerge or has emerged to match the value the value society gains from attending church. Even the world knows. It's it's important to be in church and seeking the things that we're talking about. You were sharing
0: with me earlier a passage from Isaiah where the prophet recognizes what the Lord will give over to societies that turn away from him. In other words, part of his judgment is just removing his hand of blessing or removing his hedge of protection. So, what does Isaiah have to
1: say about what happens to societies who turn away from the Lord? Isaiah chapter 3, of verse 1 to 3. Isaiah says, okay, when God wants to bless a nation, He gives them strong leadership. Okay, now we just had a 118th Congress be introduced. It took 15 rounds to get a house speaker. So God says, when I wanna bless a nation, I give you strong, mature leadership. But when I I wanna remove that blessing, I'm gonna give you children. Verse four says, I will give you children as leaders. When he's saying children, he's not talking about four and five year olds. He's talking about spiritually immature people. God says, I will remove from you I will take away your, your captain. I will take away your, your counselor. I will take away your elders. I will take away all the godly leadership and I will replace them with children. Now that talks about politics. It talks about business. It talks about education. It talks about you know, entertainment. So who's making decision for the masses? Do we have spiritually mature people or are our leadership immature? What about the arts and entertainment? Who's making entertainment, movies, TV shows for the masses? What about education? The universities, which started out to be the, the Ivory League, started out to train ministers for the gospel. Yes. What are they teaching the kids now? What are they saying about the, the godly aspect of our country
0: now? And we know uh, with entertainment, so many are going after the Purian interest instead of raising the bar even of our understanding of our own so history and, and foundations. You know, I've seen this happen personally. BOTH IN MY TIME SERVING IN THE MILITARY AND IN THE LEGISLATURE AS MANY OF OUR VIEWERS PROBABLY KNOW. AND I WATCHED as, AS PEOPLE YOU WOULD THINK WOULD BE THE best AND BRIGHTEST COMING FORWARD TO SERVE, AND YET I WAS SORELY DISAPPOINTED WITH THE CALIBER OF LEADERSHIP OFTENTIMES THAT WAS ELEVATED AND MAKING right. MAJOR DECISIONS ON BEHALF OF OUR SOCIETY. WE CAN LOOK AT OTHER CIRCUMSTANCES EVEN TODAY. SO NEW YORK CITY EARLIER THIS YEAR EMBRACED GIVING FREE ABORTION right. DRUGS TO ANYONE WHO WANTED with no charge whatsoever. And God is not going to bless a society that does this. Chicago obviously has had skyrocketing homicides and other crimes because they have callous disregard for actually holding to a moral set of standards. And we see this over and over again. You know, going back to Scripture, what Paul had to say when writing to the church at Thessalonica is so instructive. In Second Thessalonians chapter two, he talks about the fact that in the end days there will be a rise of apostasy. It will happen before right. the Lord returns. And I'll come back right. to that passage. Also, writing in First Timothy chapter four, he says that the Spirit told him explicitly that in the latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. And sure enough we've seen that. Now, let's face it, all of us are prone to wonder, prone to leave the Lord we love. But our society is doing so with headlong abandon in fulfillment of what he then goes on to describe in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says, But realize this, that in the last days difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, right. haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. But he says they will hold to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. And then Paul counsels, avoid such
1: men as these. I have nothing to do with them, right? You know, Tim, I've read that passage many times, five years ago, ten years ago. It means more today. Because you see people that way. I I know people who work in retail, people who work in fast food, and they talk about the stories they tell about how angry people are, how upset Mm. people are, how just people are just acting exactly like the Scripture says living it out in yeah. before our very eyes. You know,
0: everything we've touched on today, dealing with the apostasy in the church that we see rising mm-hmm. in many denominations, heresy throughout our culture which actually denies Christ, rejects Him as having any deity, and of course rejects the inerrancy of Scripture. That's welcomed in our culture. Yeah, it, it, deviancy. Yeah. We see a precipitous rise in satanism and secularism and cultism, uh, even in formerly Christian societies such as our own, and we see a general repudiation of Judeo-Christian values. You know, one of the cults, for example, I saw recently was the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster just ridiculing okay. Christian faith yes. and promoting an a absolutely godless secular humanism. Yes. You know, with that list of things I just want to kind of put my head to the bed and not get up. <laughs> well, you know, thankfully, and now we do need to shift, because in addition to all these negative signs, the Lord is also blessing us with some very positive spiritual signs which were foretold mm. in Bible prophecy. For example, uh, it talks about in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, an outpouring of latter rain that would occur in the mm. last days after yep. Israel is back in the land. And so, I see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that's happening all around us. It's manifest oftentimes in Davidic praise worship. And some of you may even enjoy worship that is is so exuberant and, and joy filled. I think of David dancing before the Lord, almost an embarrassment to his wife, but he was so filled with joy
1: of worshiping God. And that's going to Israel. Um, it's unique because you meet people there and you say, why did you come here? Those who moved there or live there, I, I remember one time we were on the bus, the bus had to stop, there was military things going on, and it's fine, it's safe, but one of the military guys got on the bus, and he had red hair. <laughs> and I looked him and I said, you're not from Israel. He goes, no, I'm from Cincinnati. <laughs> you know? And I said, why are you here? He said, God just called me back. And it's just, I see that and hear that all the time, either in Israel, people going there, God's just calling them for some reason. And, They don't know why, but the scriptures tell us in the end times, God is going to call them back to the homeland. And that's part of the spiritual signs we're talking about. It
0: sure is. So we can see that streaming back of the Jewish people to Israel, a very positive sign that's occurred within our own day and age, virtually. And we'll talk more about that one specifically. We've also seen, Dave, and you're part of this. The worldwide preaching of the Gospel. So, Billy Graham, for example, Mm. is estimated to have preached personally to 2.2 billion people. What a tremendous joy and blessing that is, and yet it's still reverberating outward through all the evangelists around the world today. God's Word never dies. It never dies. We've also, as our friend Doug Cobb has talked to us about, been on the cusp now in the last few years of fulfilling the Great Commission in this regard. There are preachers and evangelists reaching every people group through Bible translation, through spoken word translation to where no people group, no tribe, tongue, or nation will
1: be without knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 1 talks about that. No man can have an excuse. If you're out there living and breathing, you see that God created things. Sure can. People always ask me, well, what about, it's always in Africa, what about that one nation, that one tribe in Africa never gets to hear the word of God? I go, yeah, but you look at them, do you notice they always have a totem pole? (laughs) Yeah. Worship is inside of us. You have to choose who and what you're going to worship. But worship is part of how God made us. Well, David, I hate to break up this conversation, but this is a heavy
0: topic. So, let's take a brief pause and offer our viewers a resource that will give you great encouragement here in these last days. It's one of my favorite books, written by Dr. David Reagan, of course, called Living for Christ in the End Times.
2: Dr. Reagan's book, Living for Christ in the End Times, subtitled Coping with Anarchy and Apostasy, was originally published in the year 2000. The second edition is available and it brings the book up to date regarding the rapid decay of our society and the increasing apostasy in the church. He presents many ways to respond to and cope with both the collapse of society and spiritual deception. Some of the chapters are The Collapse of Society, The Apostasy in the Church, Standing on the Word of God, believing in the power of God, relying on the Holy Spirit, practicing tough faith, ordering your priorities, keeping an eternal perspective, and much more. This very relevant book can be yours for a donation of $15 or more, including the cost of shipping. Just call the number you see on the screen or place your order through our website at lamblion.com.
0: Well, welcome back to this episode of Christ in Prophecy. Obviously, we are dealing with spiritual signs. And we Mm -hmm. talked about the fact, David, that this has both negative attributes, many things negative happening. And you have to have spiritual discernment to see some of them. You do. But as we demonstrated, even people without Godly discernment or Christian discernment recognizes something is amiss in our
1: society. That's true. That's true. And it's you look around the world and and people know something's going on, but if you don't have the Bible, how do you know what's going on? You have to understand Scripture. That's exactly where I want to take us next. So, there are also positive attributes. We've sure. talked about those, the
0: worldwide preaching of the Gospel, mm-hmm. the fact that uh, there's been an outpouring of the Holy Spirit even with Davidic worship, and the fact that we are on the cusp of fulfilling the Great Commission. But let's dive specifically into the discernment that we can have from reading God's Word, from studying it, and for seeking His prophetic Word to understand the, various, the very times we're living in. Do you see that happening? right now in this day and age. I do, I
1: I do. You know, people ask me, isn't the Bible written by a bunch of men? And they go, you you can't believe it's by, by a bunch of men. But what they don't understand is the Bible is outside of time. Because when God talked about things, He talked about things hundreds of years beforehand. So, man could not do that. We don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow, let alone 700 years from now. So, prophecy is important to understand it. And then there's characters in the Bible as well. When you look at some of the characters in the Bible you get a clear understanding of what God wants and what God expects. And that's a good way to learn too. It is a good way to
0: learn. So, these prophets of old, they weren't just spouting off their opinion. One of the reasons that we emphasize on Christ in prophecy providing scripture references going to the word of god is because we're not just on here sharing our opinion. We want to drive Correct. you to the word of god, let you dig for yourselves, be like the Bereans. Yep. Don't trust David or me or Nathan, trust the word of god because if we err, it is already, well, always accurate. And yet those very prophets, they weren't just sharing their opinion they were sharing revelations given to them
1: by God. And they gave God the credit. They said, this is God speaking, not me. This is not a man speaking. This is this is God speaking. So, yes.
0: So, that's the only way really they could understand the future because to God, past, present, future, it is all outside relevant and outside, outside of time. Correct. So, give us an example of the kind of uh, hope that we can have and how faith can give us uh, hope that springs eternal, so sure. to speak, from the Word of God. Give us a, a scriptural example. Uh, can I have some leeway?
1: Sure. Can I give you an unlikely character? <laughs> an unlikely character. I well, love when it. When I look at the Bible, I think of Rahab. Not many people think of Rahab, but, okay. but but I think of Rahab only because now many people know her story from Joshua chapter two. She was a Canaanite. She was. Her occupation, there's no delicate way of putting what her occupation was. But Joshua sent spies into the land, uh, not to see if he was going to attack, but when to attack. And anyhow, she protected them and hid them. Well, because she did that, the question was, why did she do that and what happened? And the answer is, of all places, is in the New Testament. In the Gospel of Matthew, she's in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. You know, this Canaanite woman of the world is in the genealogy of Jesus. But in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, which is the Hall of Fame, all all Mm -hmm. the heroes of the faith in that chapter, she's mentioned there. Not the spies, she's the one that's recorded in the book of Hebrews. And my favorite part is in James. In the book of James, she's talked about her faith. And it says that she was righteous because of her faith. And when she confessed her faith, the way that she confessed it and the way she explained God was that uh, it was unbelievable because it was only recorded twice in Scripture, in Deuteronomy and in Exodus, when it explained about the, the Ten Commandments. You should have no other God. That's how she professed her faith in Christ. And James says because she was so faithful, she's righteous.
0: You know, so as you said, there's no delicate way to describe her background. Let's just say that Scripture is very clear, she was a woman of ill repute, right? not only from her uh, profession that we assume, but also because she was a Gentile. She was from a pagan nation. Canaanite. Uh, She was Canaanite. They were the enemies of the Jewish people. God had already declared a judgment on the land of Canaan for their wickedness. So, she was a part of all that. Yes. And yet, she is grafted
1: in, not just to the people of God, but to the very family of Christ. And she's called righteous. Now, I don't know about you, when I hear that term, I go back to Genesis and Abraham. Yeah. Abraham is found righteous. Why? Because of his faith. So, now, if, if someone from a Canaanite background, a woman of the world, can be found righteous, isn't there hope for you and I? Boy,
0: there is. And, and that's exactly what many of us would testify. You know, I find one other thing fascinating about Rahab. She could not have said, oh, my parents, you know, they were right. faithful. Or my grandparents, they went to church. No. The, the faith of Rahab started with Rahab. And so, many of our viewers today may not have a family that you can say, well we were always in church and my grandparents were faithful. That is no discredit to your ability to be grafted into the family of God. Because God calls all of us to choose for ourselves. As Joshua said, choose this day whom you will will serve. serve. And so, this becomes a spiritual sign. If you want a, a spiritual sign of the goodness and the grace of God, but there's two of them sitting right in front of you here Absolutely. because we are living testimony that God is good. And people all around you, you may think, well, there's nobody left. But you know, as Elijah said, I'm the only one. No, there are people who will be faithful to God to the very end. Yes. And the fact that He still saves it proves that
1: every word of Scripture is true. Yeah, yeah. She's not one that tasted manna in the, in the wilderness. She's not one that was led by the, the pillar of fire. She was not one who heard the law being preached. She had none of that. In fact, the opposite. She said, my people have heard of your God, the one who stopped the Red Sea, but we want nothing to do with him. But her people rejected God. But somewhere in her heart she became a Christian because she, well, it wouldn't have been a Christian in the Old Testament. She became a believer uh, because of her faith. And it all comes down to faith. She was faithful to the knowledge
0: God gave her at that time, and she trusted in Him. And really that formula is the same thing we advocate today, because now we know in the fullness of time that God's plan for salvation was through a person, a man, Jesus Christ. God Himself come down from Heaven to live and dwell among us, and to show us the path, the only way to the Father. And so, we have more spiritual understanding, even the Rahab. But the the formula is the same. If we trust Him, if we trust what God has given to us as the provision for our salvation, then we will be
1: saved. Yes. And the spiritual signs can be negative, people leaving the church, people being rude, obnoxious. But the spiritual signs can also be positive because people can still have faith in the Lord. Well, we've said it before. But Christians are not people who are pessimists. So, yes,
0: we recognize the very negative signs multiplying around us. As a matter of fact, they're heartbreaking to those of us who serve the Lord. Mm-hmm. David, you as a pastor have to be heartbroken by the apostasy that's happening in so many churches, the heresy that's multiplying yes. in our society. So, that bothers us tremendously. But we're not pessimists. On the same side, we're not just optimists that looks through rose-colored glasses to see the world around us, and and has kind of a a Shangri-La attitude. No, we are people who see the world as it is, but we are people of hope. And it's not hope in a a nebulous concept. Our hope is in a person, which is why Paul writing to Titus calls Jesus Christ our blessed hope. He is our blessed hope, and therefore our hope does spring eternal. And He's there for everyone whenever we need him. Well, folks, obviously, whether it is all the different signs manifesting around us or the signs of society, we hope that this particular series will make you aware that the signs themselves are not just here for being a signpost in and of themselves. We're not stopping to investigate these signs and just staying here. As a friend of mine recently shared, if you were driving to a destination, Uh, going to see, let's say, the Ark Encounter in Kentucky, and you saw a sign, 50 miles to go to the Ark, you wouldn't stop and have a picnic in front of the sign. You would realize we're getting close. And that would spur you to enthusiasm, to eagerness, and to expectation that soon and very soon I'm going to reach that destination. So, all the signs, including the spiritual signs we've been talking about today, demonstrate that Jesus is at the very gates of Heaven. David, any other thoughts? So in what you're telling me is I can be excited about the spiritual signs because the Lord Jesus is coming. Amen and amen. You should be excited, as am I. So, folks, we hope that you too are excited, and uh, we're going to turn our attention here in just a second to another thought to share with you.
3: Registration is now open for the Layman Lion Ministries Annual Bible Prophecy Conference coming up on June 9th and 10th. Given the darkness and chaos infecting our society. Our theme for 2023 is, Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled, a message of strength and encouragement as we wait upon the Lord. The conference will begin Friday evening and run all day Saturday. Our all-star speaking lineup includes pastors Robert Jeffress, Tommy Nelson, and Erwin Lutzer, along with David Barton and David Reagan. Additional details, including a timeline and speaker topics, are available on our website at ChristinProphecy.org. We have shifted our venue to the beautiful Denton Convention Center, co-located with the Embassy Suites Hotel in Denton, Texas, just north of Dallas. Registration is only $10, with an optional lunch presentation as well. You won't want to miss this exciting and inspiring event pointing to Jesus' soon return. We'll hope to see you all in June.
0: Folks, I know that many of you are frustrated because you cannot find a local church that is true to the Word of God and preaches the whole counsel of Scripture, including the prophetic word. Sadly, it is going to get harder to find biblically grounded churches as we get closer to the rapture. That is why Jesus posed the rhetorical question I mentioned earlier in Luke 18.8. And yet, Elijah's experience in the Old Testament should encourage us. The prophet began to feel sorry for himself as he witnessed the apostasy of his people and the wickedness of his rulers. He resigned himself to fleeing into the wilderness to wait to die. The Lord met him there and restored his hope. He pointed out that 7,000 had not bent their knees to Baal, but had remained faithful to him. God was not finished with Elijah. He still had a purpose and a plan for his life. While we have breath, God still has a purpose and plan for each of us. No matter how old or tired or frustrated or fearful you are, Listen for the still, small voice of the Lord. Wait upon Him and let Him renew your strength. Commit to serving Him boldly, until He comes or until He calls you home. We hope that this program has been a great blessing to you today, alerting you to the spiritual dynamics at work in our world, unseen but never dormant. And we pray that your own spirit has been invigorated by the prophetic promise, the inevitable truth, that Jesus is coming again. He may come before our next episode of Christ in Prophecy, but if He tarries, we will look forward to seeing you again next week. Until then, Godspeed!